Hello, this is Shelly Barons with Coach's Coffee. Hope you can check in, check us out, and join in on the conversation. For our first podcast on Coach's Coffee, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Roberta Page, the Director of NCAA Championships and Alliances, on ethics and the NCAA Selection Process to Championships. Cited articles for this podcast include Dr. Roberta Page, Director of NCAA Championships and Alliances, Jill Wilson, Owner and Director of Double L Consulting and former Athletic Director at Texas A&M Kingsville, Karen Stromey, Senior Associate Athletic Director of Internal Operations and SWA at Minnesota Duluth, the NCAA Championships Landing Page, NCAA.org, and a scholarly article, Factors Influencing College Selection by NCAA Division I, II, and III Lacrosse Players, done by Jeffrey Pauline, Syracuse University. Good morning, Roberta. Welcome to Coach's Coffee. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Well, good morning, Shelley, and thank you for, for having me. Um, as you had indicated, my name is Roberta Page, and uh, I have the pleasure right now of uh, being the Director of Championships uh, at the NCAA, which is located in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where I've been there as the Director for a little over 11 years. Um, right now, I, I get to work with Division II women's field hockey, uh, Division II women's basketball, and Division II men's tennis. But I also have the opportunity to uh, oversee what is called our championship committee. And our championships committee is a committee comprised of folks within the membership uh, that get to oversee the 25 national championships that we sponsor within Division II. So I'm the direct liaison there. Uh, prior to coming to the NCAA, uh, I worked at a Division II campus in Pennsylvania at Shippensburg University as the director of athletics. And I was there just under 10 years prior to uh, moving forward and taking the position at the NCAA. So my entire work career, even before I went to Shippensburg, has been uh, around athletics, whether that is high school athletics or collegiate athletics. So um, not sure what else is out there for me to do unless it's related <laughs> to athletics. So uh, that's where I am as of right now. Well, I couldn't think of a better person uh, to join us for this topic. And as I've had the, the privilege of serving on your committee, I know we've had, you know, many uh, opportunity to, to discuss things and, and how it surrounds. So with the topic of ethics and NCAA selections, I thought you'd be a great choice. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. So let's get into it, if that's okay. okay. Yeah. So, Roberta, with respect for, you know, ethics and, and NCAA championships, I have a few questions for you, and, and I think it'll be really educational for our, re our listeners here. Um, can you share with, with us all, what are some of the ethical challenges that you have either seen or experienced in your role as a director of championships? Yeah, and even before I get into that, Shelly, I'm going to tell you just around the whole idea of ethics, it's something that is very... I'm going to say very near and, and, and dear to my heart, just because I believe so much in being ethical, whether it's, you know, in our everyday life or the opportunity that we get to excel in something that you and I both love, and that's athletics. The thing I always try to tell people about ethics um, when it comes to the NCAA is you can't legislate ethics. You can't mandate people are ethical in what they're doing, whether we're doing it as coaches whether we're doing it as administrators or whether we're trying to teach our student athletes, you can't legislate it. You just hope 
that folks want to be ethical and do the right thing for their individual sport or their institution. And so we have at the, at the NCAA, no different than what other organizations are, are doing, whether it's the, the NFL or Major League Baseball or the, or the NBA, there's always going to be some folks that don't adhere to the high standards that we want them to. And so whether it's collegiate or whether it's professional, we do have some people that unfortunately don't, don't follow the letter of the law. You know, we've seen in Major League Baseball, you have people that steal signs. Uh, yeah. signs, you know, when the pitcher is going to the catcher or they, you know, if you remember last year, they had the the uh, the organization that was beating on a drum for a certain pitch that was coming in. Yeah, the Astros. Yeah. Yeah, and yet earlier this year, even in the NFL, uh, I think there was a player that um, went down to pretend that he was hurt uh, on the sidelines to get the clock to stop. The oh, stop wow. Because their their team did not have an extra an extra timeout. So that's the kind of stuff I think that we're kind of viewing in, in the professional uh, in the professional arena, but we also have it in college athletics as well. And it's not just Division One. It's not just Division Two. It's not just Division Three. I think it can be can be anywhere. Yeah. Well, so some of the things that I've personally witnessed, um, and some of the stuff I wouldn't have known it existed unless people even told me. You know. So, for example, yeah. in, in the sport of tennis, I never yeah. would have thought before I worked with tennis that student athletes would use the use of a restroom to their advantage. And so hmm. let's just take the sport of tennis. And, you know, yeah. um, when, when you play tennis matches, when the number of individuals, when, when, when matches are complete, you're playing six individual uh, matches and you only have to win a certain number of them and the match is over. So if I'm losing, but I know the person next to me is winning and they probably could win in the next five, six minutes, I could take a bathroom break. Oh, and I can go to the bathroom because I want to delay me getting beat. Wow. So student okay. athletes will purposely use the restroom or coaches will tell them to, to use the restroom to delay getting beat so that their their opponent or their uh, their teammate could win that, that's next to them. I never would have thought of that, yeah. uh, of doing that. I can tell you that I've, I've seen situations in the sport of softball where a young lady was in the outfield going back to catch a what was going to be a home run ball, catches the ball, goes over the fence, um, comes up, and the ball's in her glove. Uh, later that night, as I'm walking through the hotel, I see the team meeting, and the young girl admits that she did not catch the ball, that the ball had fallen out of her glove, but she was able to pick it up because there was nobody back there. It came up wow. where the ball was in her glove. And I think that that kind of stuff make, makes me sad. Um, it makes me sad only because I hope we're not teaching our, our young folks out there to, to do that in order to, to, to be unethical. Um, but un, un, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately it happens. We see it all the time, whether it's on the campus level or at our level. Um, I can't play you today. My field's wet. My field's too wet. Well, is it too wet because you don't have the pitchers in the rotation today? Yeah. Or is the field actually too wet? So those are the types of things, unfortunately, Shelley, that we see. You know, good thing. Yes. Yeah, good thing is it's not happening as much, maybe as as people think. So I'll keep my fingers crossed that we're on the upswing. 
Well, and it's, you know, there's the, the gamesmanship piece. Sure. And that could be a whole, a whole other topic for sure. Roberta, with respect for your being a part of committees, um, just briefly, anything with respect for selections that, that come up or that you've seen or that you've, you know, I mean, I think people don't realize, you know, as someone who oversees the, a committee yourself, that you don't actually vote on these things. You're just basically helping facilitate a committee, you know, for the selection process for the championship. But have there been any challenges within your committees for selections ethically? Yeah, and to your your point earlier, thank goodness I don't have to vote. I that's the one thing I always tell people that make copies. <laughs> I don't get to vote. I think Shelley, the, the thing that we probably see most often when it comes to committee work is if there's a member of the committee whose team is in contention to be selected or ranked, sometimes that individual, and most of the time it is a coach, uh, can't separate themselves and tries to advocate for their individual team more so than they would had they uh, not been on the committee. So it's almost like a self-promotion. Um, but that's where you have to trust the system. And that's why there's more than one person making these decisions. Uh, but I would say just from an ethical standpoint, that would be the one thing that would stand out to me is people just doing self-advocating for their team when really they probably shouldn't be ranked or selected. Yeah. And, and you know, as someone who served on your committee and, and really have learned so much, I, I personally have been in that, that position and you cannot separate yourself emotionally. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't even begin to try it, but it does make you have that, that lens or that purview of, of really. Um, and I believe in, in the process as well. And so, you know, I, I think that's, that's really well said. Roberta. Yeah. What, what, if any, um, are there any misconceptions ethically involved with selections? Or maybe we've kind of talked about them that people think you get to pick, yeah. um, or the director gets to pick, you know, but any misconceptions involved with selections or, or any caveats that may exist, if any? Yeah, and I think you hit on the big one is a lot of people think the NCAA makes the selections or, the, or does the rankings for the individual sports. As you alluded to, uh, the NCAA is a membership organization. And so we are comprised and all of our committees are made up of people in the membership. So the NCA staff does not get to vote on rankings or selections. It's all done by people that uh, are in the membership, such as yourself. And so right. when people don't get selected or they don't get ranked, they'll say, well, that darn in me. Well, no, it wasn't me. I know. The NCAA <laughs> is actually you, you know, so that, that's probably the biggest misconception. The other misconception I would think is there's a lot of people that look at the criteria that we use to rank and select teams, and they can't separate being subjective versus objective. Um, and so a team may say, oh, my gosh, I watched them play the other day. They are really, really good. Well, if the statistics don't show that they're really, really good, you can't just rank them because you watch them play and you think they're really, really good. So you have to you have to use the data that we have, the statistical data, in order to make the decision. And so I would think that's probably one of the big misconceptions that's out there with folks is I've watched them play. I think they should get in. Well, yeah. you know, not not really, not really. So that, that I think that would go up there and in line with the other as um, after being. Um, that the NCA gets to make the decisions. Yeah, and and you really did allude to, to my next question with respect for safeguards and framework in place to maintain the selection credibility is there are, there is criteria that's followed. You know, it's not like 
you know, someone going off on a tangent, uh, just using their own, you know, ob- subjectivity of, of what they think, you know, uh, the criteria is in place. And correct me if I'm wrong, Roberta, that is selected by the membership, by the respective committees. And yeah, coaches, I was, right? was going to say that. And I said, not only do we have the criteria, but the committees get to select some of the criteria that is used. And so um, there's a lot of different data points that are out there to use. Sometimes I think you can have too much in front of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I know that you and I've talked about that, but yeah, the individual committees, there are certain pieces of criteria that are mandated, but in division two, our, our committees get to select the additional pieces of criteria that they want to use to rank and select teams. So you have to trust the data. Um, I, yeah. I will tell you, you know, you, and here's one thing, and you, you and I've talked about this in the past is you can't outschedule the criteria. So one of the, we, we always go back to a quote that a colleague of mine said a number of years ago when I first got to the NCAA, a very successful athletic director. And he used to tell his coaches, listen, play good teams and win. And you'll yeah. get in. And really, that sounds so simple, but it's true. Uh, it, it actually is the best, best approach to have. <laughs> and, and coaches may, you know, myself included, may not always like that that bit of advice, but it's actually excellent Yep, advice. if you think about it, it does make sense. It does. <laughs> we, we, you know, obviously, Roberta, you've, you've been doing this for some time, as you shared, with, with the uh, your role at the national office. Do you think the process works well, selection process, or would you like to see anything changed? You know, I... I like the process as it is. Um, we get we get feedback and input early on from what we call regional advisory committee members. So these are folks that are really out there doing the day-to-day work, watching games, uh, being site reps. I mean, some of them, most of them are, are coaches, so they watch it. Then recommendations to you folks that have served on national committees and then we get to digest it. The interesting thing is, and I don't know that a lot of people realize this, the, the committee made up of folks from all across the country. So somebody in California may never have seen somebody in Pennsylvania play the game. So he or she can't see they're really, really good. I mean, you only have the data that's in front of you. And you, you have right. to trust the data. And you have to believe in it. And, and I do think it works, Shelly. I, I don't know if there's a better system out there. I'll tell you, there are folks that are always trying to come up with a different formula that they think will help. And I think that's okay. I think it's, it's, if we can yeah, continue yeah. to to use these folks that are experts out there in statistics and you know all these formulas, if there's a better way People do not hesitate to forward that information to us just to review because we always want to make the right selection or who we think is the right selection moving forward. And I will tell you, you've done this for a long time. I've done this for a long time. The majority, the vast majority of the time, I do think we get it right. Yeah, I, I would agree completely. And, you know, regardless of what side you're on, um, what side yeah. of it you're on, you know, you really do. Uh, and I know in Division Two, and I know being a part of your committee, you do really want to see the best championship Absolutely. for for the sake of the student yep. athletes. So, 
is there anything else, Roberta, that you'd want um, folks to know with respect for, you know, selection, selection of championships or how ethics may be involved and, and the process overall, just, you know, anything that you'd like to share before we yeah, wrap up? Yeah, first of all, thanks for letting me, let me share. This is one thing that I'm very passionate about. And I think people that get the opportunity to work with me know I'm very passionate about being ethical in our day-to-day job. Um, I, I do think um, if, if kids, meaning student athletes, deserve to get in, they'll get in. Uh, please don't ever encourage folks to do the wrong thing to, to get in. And I know that coaches don't do that maybe what they don't think is intentionally because you include, you're very passionate about what you do. And thank goodness coaches are very passionate. But there's a right, there's a right way to get in as well. And I think if we can just continue to, to keep that in the back of the mind, there's no need to cheat to get in. If you're good and you've put the hard work in and you've done what you need to do as an athlete or as a coach, the reward will be there. And so just continue to, to do the right thing because you're making lasting impressions on young folks as they go into their careers. And we wouldn't want people to cheat in our day-to-day work, let alone athletics, but just making sure that we're teaching and giving the right message to our student athletes. Well, yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't think you can measure ethics. Uh, I think you either have them or you don't with respect for what's good, what's right, what's authentic, and which is something we, we do talk a lot about it in this well, class. So, Roberta, thank you. And uh, this has been really informative and educational. I always learn something when I get to be with you. Um, I appreciate your time and your insight. And uh, Well, I appreciate day. you having me, Shelley, and I hope you have a great day as well. Great thanks to Dr. Page for joining us today from the national office and just giving us some valuable insight into NCAA selections, the ethics involved, who selects, the process of championships, and really the criteria involved being membership-based, being the coaches, administrators, and the members who actually set the criteria and then follow through with the criteria with respect for the pathway to a championship. So thanks again to Dr. Page for some great information. And we look forward to seeing you on our upcoming podcast with Shelly Barons and Coach's Coffee. Thanks and have a great day.